Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Taking Care of Grizzness podcast of the Fans First Sports Network covering all things Memphis Grizzlies. I'm your host, Parker Fleming. We got a big time guest today. He is a co-host of the Next Gen podcast of Bluff City Media. He is also a senior staff writer for Bluff City Media covering the Memphis Grizzlies. He is John Morant's favorite Twitter account of Grizzlies Twitter. It is Bryson Wright. Bryson, what's happening, man? How's it going? It's going really good, Parker. Glad to be on today, man. Very glad to be on here. Uh, love this podcast, too. Glad that you're starting to do your own thing with this, too, man. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that big time. And obviously, you know, we'll start putting some more stuff out there with the the free agency starting draft just winding down. I just kind of wanted to give myself the weekend to just let everything all unpack cover everything from a written standpoint so over at Substack Elitis my Substack I have written something on Tyus Jones by the time this drops I will end up having something on Gigi Jackson as well and then it's free agency time from there but I I do want to unpack some of the stuff from last week since we haven't gotten to talk about the trade here on taking care of Grizzness since the last time we've spoken the Memphis Grizzlies hopped into that Porzingis Washington Delia with Boston. And it, so there, if in case you missed it, it was going to be a three-team trade with the Clippers, with the Clippers getting Malcolm Brogdon. But that fell apart. And so the Celtics and the Wizards had to come up with something by midnight. So it's like, all right, some team's going to hop in by midnight. So Adrian Wojnarowski, you know, reports the Porzingis deal around 10.50-ish Central time. All right, Bryson, you're Eastern time, so I'm going to keep it Eastern here. So eleven fifty, he he has Porzingis going. Woj breaks Porzingis going to the Celtics. A couple minutes later, reported that Tyus Jones will be going to the Washington Wizards. There's a four minute pause. Bryce, when there's that four minute pause, where does your mind go on what's next for the Memphis Grizzlies? Who they are getting? What could Zach Kleiman be possibly doing? Hopping into this three team trade. So for me, the real question was 
are they going to get something from the Wizards or were they going to get something for this from the Celtics? That was the first thing that I thought of because I was like, could this be sign and trade Cal Kuzma? Like, I know that was probably more of a long shot or something like that. And then, I mean, looking at the Celtics, I mean, I don't know. I figured they wouldn't trade somebody like Derek White. They just got him. Uh, I know they have been looking to move Malcolm Brogdon. I was like, maybe the Grizzlies were okay with whatever the medical stuff was and they were going to take him. And then, I mean, Marcus Smart. I mean, I, I felt I, I felt pretty solid that they were going to be either looking for a guard or, you know, somebody to replace Dylan because that's really the two needs that they would have, especially since they knew they're moving on from Tyus. They knew they needed somebody to come in and be another guard, and they're still looking for somebody to kind of be the next wing. So that's really what I was looking for. I knew it wasn't Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, like, Obviously, if you could get a guy like that, that would be incredible. But that's like out of the realm of possibility. And yeah, so that's when I kind of started thinking either a sign and trade with Kuzma. Uh, maybe there was more that we hadn't heard yet. Or uh, Marcus Smart, Derek White, a guard from the Celtics. I don't know if there's really anybody on the Celtics bench. I mean, besides maybe Grant Williams, that would have been a question that they would bring in. But I think out of all those people that I just named, I think Marcus Smart, it's not necessarily just what he does like on the court that's going to be so big. I think his off the court stuff, his leadership and stuff like that, I think that's not not to say that they don't care what he does on the court. He's really going to help the Grizzlies on the court. But I think having a guy who's like a leader and has been there before is really what the Grizzlies needed. So I think out of all the people they could have got Marcus Smart, he's like a culture change kind of guy. So I think it's. I think it was a really good decision. Absolutely, yeah. I know where my my mind was. Is like, okay. I think it was going to be either Malcolm Brogdon or Derek White. And I remember I wrote earlier that day, I believe, on different trade targets, or it was like the day before. I wrote at different trade targets. I brought up Malcolm Brogdon and Derek White. I brought up Derek White because it was more of a personal preference between the Boston guards. Because I'm like, okay. Marcus Smart is the heart and soul of that team. And you just don't trade heart and souls of teams unless you're getting something worthwhile. And I didn't consider Porzingis like that worthwhile guy. And then with Malcolm Broughton, it's like, okay, they already tried to trade him. And I'm looking at his basketball reference page right now, and he's 6'5", about 230. So even though he's technically a guard, he could be the size of a wing. He could masquerade as a wing if needed to. but Obviously, with all the medical stuff that just came out on him, I was like, ah, I'm not real sure on this, but we'll see. We'll see what's happening. And then a couple of minutes later, Marcus Smart. And I tell you what, I was already, I had already kind of like fallen asleep watching a TV show uh, before the trade dropped. I woke up and it was like 10 minutes or 20 minutes until, um, until Porzingis' deadline. So I'm like, oh, let's just go ahead and stay up and see what happens with Porzingis. And then it turns into the Memphis Grizzlies getting Marcus Smart, and I can't sleep. It was <laughs> it, – it's, it's, it's that culture shock that the Memphis Grizzlies needed. Like you said, like they needed something to shake the culture. And Marcus Smart is one of the only few players in the league that can be described as a heart and soul of, a, of an NBA team. I was ecstatic. I, I was absolutely ecstatic because, like, like you alluded to, like they had, you know, okay, you got to fill in, get a perimeter stopper for Dylan, but you also, if you're using Tyus to go get your wing upgrade, 
you need to also get somebody who can handle the ball for 25 games and not put it all on Desmond Bain and John Morant's suspension. And they just kind of got the best of both worlds and just consolidated that into Marcus Smart. And now you have one, out, one open roster spot because you traded away the 25th pick as well as the Warriors pick. I'll get into that question in a minute. But, I mean, regardless, it, it was it's a good culture revamp that I'm excited to see shake out. Yeah, and I know there's a lot of people that are going to be a little bit worried about the fit because Marcus Smart isn't a traditional wing. But I have no question that Marcus Smart can guard wings as well as anybody you know that the Grizzlies have on the team right now. So mm-hmm. if you're rolling that, if you're rolling that lineup out, like there, he, he doesn't match up well with everybody. But if you want to run a lineup that's Ja, well, when Ja comes back, you know that's Ja, Marcus Smart, and Bain with you know Jaron and Stephen Adams. I think that that could work, even though. Marcus Smart is traditionally not really a small forward, obviously. He plays more right. either point guard or shooting guard. But I think kind of like like he's not as big as Brogdon would have been, but I think defensively he's better. I know last year he was hurt, so that kind of hurt him a little bit. But, I mean, this is a dude to one defensive player of the year when he was fully healthy. I, I think that uh, in terms of bringing in somebody who can guard wings, somebody who can – you know, facilitate the offense. You know, two years ago on the Celtics, a lot of people talked about he was really good as the primary ball handler when a lot of people weren't sure if he was going to be able to do it. And I think he kind of played more of the two-guard position this year. But I think that when Ja is out, if he has to run the point guard, he's shown that he can do it. So, I yeah, I agree that it kind of addresses both parts of it. And then even if you do go and get a wing guy, you know, and you don't have Marcus Smart guarding wings a lot, this dude is still one of the best point guard defenders in the NBA, which is something you also needed because Dylan did both. So you need a guy that can guard guards as well, and he can guard uh, other NBA guards as well as anybody else. So just on the defensive end, it's an awesome pickup, and I think it's something they really need. And, you know, offensively, he's not as consistent as he is on defense, but it's – I'm not as worried about that. I think that in the role that he's going to be playing for the Grizzlies, I think we're going to see a little bit of his offense get to flourish a little bit more too. Right. Absolutely. And I think also too, having, especially when Jaw comes back and also with the amount of times they have Desmond Payne run the offense, he won't be forced to take as many unassisted shots. Or I think when you're sharing the floor with guys like, if you're stretching out to even like sharing the floor with guys like Desmond Bain and Luke Kennard, having that shooting gravity is going to open up so much on the floor, especially when you consider guys like Jaron Jackson Jr. and Santi Aldama as well. And I think one thing to kind of keep in mind, it's like, okay, the shooting inefficiency isn't well. And the Grizzlies just dealt with that with Dylan Brooks. They just traded away Dylan Brooks, who was a woefully inefficient shooter. But here's the difference on the shooting volume for Marcus Smart. I mean, last year was his first season in three seasons where he shot or average single digit field goal attempts grant it was 9.9 but the grizzlies are used to getting 15 shots a game from dylan brooks they shoot about the same number of threes per game about like five or six per game and even even if the sh- he's not going to be a reliable three-point shooter he shoots enough and accurate enough where you have to respect him and when that happens when he's attacking a closeout all of a sudden, you have a guy that's been averaging five or six assists over the past three seasons, making decisions as the defense is trying to scramble. So 
I mean, for all his flaws, and he he will have flaws. I mean, I, I talked to uh, one of my wife's cousins who they're Boston sports fans. They they love all things Boston sports, and they said there's gonna be times where you just are scared to death that Marcus Smart has the ball in his hands, but you are absolutely going to love him. And that's just kind of like where I follow Marcus Smart. And at the end of the day, everyone kind of said the Grizzlies needed to grow up. Everybody had was everybody, all these talk shows were having their own parade inside their cities on the Grizzlies downfall saying they needed to grow up and all that stuff. And now they got Marcus Smart who has been, one of the biggest leaders, one of the biggest vocal leaders in one of the more successful teams over the past seven, eight seasons than any, almost any team in the league besides maybe like the Golden State Warriors. But yeah, the, this is exactly what the Memphis Grizzlies need. I know it's not perfect from the standpoint of like everybody wanted OG Ananobi or I mean, Mikhail Bridges was like long gone, but everybody wanted a guy like OG Ananobi. OG Ananobi comes with an insane price tag. And like, could you imagine if the Grizzlies gave up like Tyus Jones, the 25th pick and the 2024 Warriors pick for like Dorian Finney Smith, everyone would have gone crazy. Everyone would have been bashing the pick, bashing the trade like crazy. So, I mean, getting a guy like Marcus Smart, who kind of helps you do the best of both worlds. I'm for it. I really am. Yeah, for sure. And when it comes to Marcus Smart, I really do think uh, like, cause you mentioned the whole thing with Dylan and, talking about is he going to be a reliable three-point shooter he's I think he's a better three-point shooter than Dylan was just on the fact that when you watch Celtics games they don't leave Marcus Smart wide open like that's something that I have noticed like obviously they'd rather him shoot than a guy like Jason Tatum but there were times like in that Lakers series specifically where they were not even like closing out on Dylan Brooks and I don't I haven't seen that work on Marcus Smart. And I've also seen him make big shots when it really mattered. I know this playoffs, I think it went in after the buzzer, but he made a really clutch three that would have been a buzzer beater, but it was just after, it was just after the buzzer. So I've seen him, you know, take big shots and make big shots. Now that's not necessarily what they're going to need from him, but I will take that any day when it comes to, if you're comparing him to Dylan Brooks, I think that he does have he he has his a history of making big shots when it really mat when it really matters. Uh, and I do like what you said about you know having the people from Boston kind of talk about it. But the overwhelming thing that I've seen that tells me all I really need to know about the trade is that a lot of Celtics fans, you know, there, there's always going to be the few Celtics fans because you know with every fan base there's a few people that don't like whatever player and they were out there saying they they were happy about it. But the overwhelming majority of Celtics fans that I saw either on social media or Celtics fans that I know personally were either, you know, tweeting about how they wish they had it, uh, hadn't traded Marcus Smart or, were you know, I had a couple of Celtics fans actually reach out to me and say, you know, y'all are getting a great guy. Like y'all are going to love Marcus Smart. And when you look at the fact, you know, this is the city that embraced Tony Allen and grit and grind and all that. It's like it's the perfect place for him. And I, I can't wait for him to play play in the form in a Grizzlies uniform for the first time. And the first hustle play, all of that, I, by the middle of the season, he's going to be a fan favorite, if if it even takes that long. It might not even take a quarter of the season. It's it, 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 kind of like how when Luke Kennard kind of joined, he instantly, everybody just kind of, you know, 
loved him as a player for odd for like different reasons, but I feel like it's going to be very similar with Marcus Smart. Oh yeah, I mean, hell, it may not even take the first half of the first game, depending on where the first game is. Like it could be quick, like it could be absolutely quick before Definitely. Memphis Grizzlies find their find themselves just endeared to Marcus Smart, especially with all the connections too. Like you, like the the parallels with Tony Allen, both went to Oklahoma State. Both coming from the Boston Celtics at the age of 29. Both first-team all-defense guys. Granted, Smart has a better pedigree, which, I mean, granted, I don't know. I don't know. Well, just because he's the I defensive think, player of the year. But also, too, Kobe said that Tony Allen was his toughest matchup defensively. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, So, does that outweigh a defensive like player of the year? I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I – I don't even know. I Probably not. I mean, if you're talking about – Kobe and then also I think KD said it too. Yeah. So if you got Kobe and KD saying you're the greatest defender they've ever played against, that's that that that, that I think that might count more than defense player of the year for me. Yeah, because you're stamped. Like you're stamped at that point. <laughs> yeah. 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 But either way, you're getting one of like I said, one of the best point guard defenders in the NBA, if not the best. You know, mm-hmm. it's probably between like him or Drew Holiday or somebody like that, but in terms of who's in the league right now, you can argue about whether he's better than Tony Allen or whatever. I I don't know if I'm ready to say that necessarily, yeah. but he definitely brings you more on the other end than Tony brought. So right. I think that's something that is going to be a positive as well, because I think, you know, you saw the same thing with Tony Allen, you know, back during that warrior series where there's a lot of times where he was just getting left wide open there. Like if he beats us, we're going to live with it. And I just feel like just not having that, I think you'll see like how much better the offense is going to run, especially when you get to the playoffs and when you don't have something like that. Absolutely. And I think the biggest thing with that too, when you're talking about the playoffs and this is no slight to Tyus Jones, but his production fell off because he's not able to get into a rhythm because you can't really play him with jaw in the playoffs and you need to play jaw 38, 39 minutes in the playoffs, which as with Marcus smart, you can have him run the offense when Jaw's off the floor, but also you're playing him a lot with Jaw on the floor. You can play smart with Dez. You can play smart with Luke. You can go smart Bane Luke. You can go Jaw smart Luke. You can go Jaw smart Bane. Like there's so many different pathways that you can go. And hell, like Taylor Jenkins once tried uh, in Game Five of the Lakers series, he did Jaw Tyus. Bane, Kennard, Jaren, and it just it was some it just led to a huge run, kind of Nirvana. Like hell, they could do the same thing with Marcus Smart because Marcus Smart guards bigs. Like you just don't know. There's just more lineup optionality, especially in the postseason. And as Zach Kleiman said, everything that they're doing is with an eye to the postseason. And when you look at a guy like Marcus Smart, the past three playoffs here, the past three playoffs, so. In the so last season, 2021-2022, they made it all the way to the finals. Last this past year, they made it to game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. But in 46 playoff games over the past three years, Marcus Smart has shot 35.8% on 6.6 attempts per, per game from three. Averaged 15 points or 15 and a half points, five and a half assists, four rebounds, and a steal. Like he's a he's a big game player. And when you can just add more veterans who have playoff experience, I mean, Marcus Smart has played 108 playoff games. No one on the Grizzlies. No, I'll say this. I don't know. Like, you'd have to get out the calculator. 
But if you take out like Steven Adams, Marcus Smart probably has as many playoff games as most most of the Grizzlies roster combined. Like if you just go player by player, like it, it's it's really crazy when you start to think about it. Because especially when right. you talk about the younger players like John, Jaron, you know they're just now getting into double digits on you know playoff games played just in general. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, he just has a wealth of playoff experience, and I think that's huge. I guess so. One last thing I'll touch on with the Marcus Smart trade. So people kind of met the picks with a little bit of angst for for some reason. It's it's one of the, it's wild because there's no win situation. It's like okay, you they either keep the twenty five pick. People say they're unserious about winning. They use assets to go move up from 25 to go get a guy. They're like, oh, they're unserious. Or they use that to go pick somebody who was, quote-unquote, on mock drafts at 25. Like, they'd complain about that. Or if they didn't, and if they use 25 and no other assets, they'd be like, oh, Kleiman's not trying aggressive enough. Or, And he even said at the trade deadline, he said, we threw an amount of picks out there and trade offers that would be like, wow. Why? Why did you use that many trades? It's or that many picks? It's because they have a lot of young guys on the roster they like. Um, he's talked highly of David Roddy and Jay Claravia Junior. Zaire, and also too, you saw Santi Aldama two years left on his rookie scale contract. So I mean, there's no sense of winning, and I guess all these years we've been kind of building up this Warriors asset to be something, but. They traded that and the twenty fifth pick away. Where did you st- where did you stand on the pick? Like, is does it move oh, you? Oh, dude, I don't I don't care about the pick, man. I couldn't care less about the dang first round pick at this point. Because when, when you really look at it and you look at the players they already have, at some point you can't just keep bringing in rookies, right? Like, especially after bringing in, they brought in five rookies last year. You know, obviously Kennedy Chandler's not there anymore, but. there's at least, you know, three of those guys are going to be on the roster next year unless they're traded. You already have Zaire, who basically didn't play at all last season, who you used the top 10 pick on, and he's going to play. Like, if he's healthy, he's going to play. You mentioned Roddy, LaRavia. Like, we have those guys already. Uh, Santi Aldama, who they're going to play Santi. They put enough – they had enough trust in Santi to let him start until Jaron came back last season. So right. like these are these are players that they have to develop and they have to let them develop. And it's really hard to focus on developing a couple players versus, you know, focusing on developing the whole team. Like you can't develop this many players at one time. What the Grizzlies have done is not normal. Like it's really difficult to develop as many players as they have and also be, you know, somewhat successful. You look at a lot of these teams that have players around the ages of the Grizzlies, like even the Thunder, who they had a really good year this year, went to the play-in, were a game away from making the playoffs. That was considered successful for them, right? And the Grizzlies are really only probably like a maybe even a year ahead of where the Thunder are technically. Uh, if you look at like the ages of their players and stuff like that and when people got drafted. So when you think about the fact they've been the two seed twice, they have their core. They know, like, it's going to be Ja, Jaron, and Bane. Like, those guys are going to be on the team going forward. And everything besides that is just, you know, kind of filling in around them. And the best way to do that, I still would think, especially after this last season, is going out and getting established NBA players. 
right? And this is this this is what I this is what I think about it, right? Whoever you got at twenty five, there were some good options, right? What they ended up getting Gigi Jackson, which I think is a guy they really liked, and some people even had possibly going either at twenty five or before twenty five for the Grizzlies. So, you know, at the end of the day, they come out with a good with a good rookie still. You know, they gave up their pick. The pick they gave up from the Warriors pick was basically a free draft pick when you go back and look at it because they just took on Andre Iguodala. They just paid, bought out Andre Iguodala and got a first-round pick, right? You bring in a guy who's won a defensive player of the year in the past, like we talked about his pedigree going to the playoffs and everything like that, and then you still have your own first-round pick for the foreseeable future, right? You still have 2024, 25, 26 going forward. All the first-round picks that you could trade that are your own picks, you have all of them to work with. And I think that's another reason why it's not as big of a deal. It'll be one thing if they traded all these picks and they're like, okay, now the Grizzlies aren't going to have a first-round pick until 2026. They're going to have a first-round pick next year. And if they want to use it – they can use it. If they want to trade it, they can they're gonna have one the year after that. Like they have yep. a lot of assets that they can use. So I'm not worried about the draft picks, especially because it was like, you know, it's a late first this year. Who knows what's gonna happen with the Warriors, but just based on how they are, I don't see them being like a lottery team as long as they have Steph and Clay and you know Steve Kerr. They're like even this year, they had a really like they didn't have a year that was up to their standards, they were horrible, all of that. You know, still made it to the second round of the playoffs, still going to be a late first round pick. So let's say they have another year where, you know, they're the same as they were this year. That's still is is the 25th pick this year and the 23rd pick next year not worth market smart. Uh, I'd say it is. Now, if you if you want to say that losing both of those on top of losing Tyus Jones is too much, I do get that. But I yeah. still think when you look around the league and look at who is really available. I don't know if you could get a lot better than that, especially because you talk about with OG, uh, they're asking for, you know, four or five first round picks. When you look at all these other players, you know, even a guy like Macau, who you don't even know if he's available, but when you offered four first round picks, they said no. So I still think you only lose those two picks you still get a really solid draft pick in the second round, a guy that's like kind of an upside swing pick that can't, that, you know, can help you, uh, can help mm-hmm. you probably down the line, maybe not this season, but there's a possibility he could, you never know. But so you still get that and you still have your picks down the line to continue to use either on players or in, in trades. So I think all in all, they're going to be fine. I, I'm, I'm not worried about the draft picks at all. Yeah. And to your point about the Warriors, this past season, a year by not their standards because they were terrible on the road. If they even had a 500 road record, or talk about a team that's 53 and 28, and they're tied, or 53 and 29, and they're tied for first in the Western Conference. Like, it's, and also, too, they already have their 2024 draft pick. And you, if you, just kind of keep track on when the trade was official. They technically picked the 25th pick with Marcus Sasser going to Detroit, technically. Because the Grizzlies traded the draft rights to Marcus Sasser, they got to avoid the stipend rule, which if they didn't, if they just traded the 23rd pick and Boston picked it outright, 
the Grizzlies wouldn't be able to trade their 2024 pick. But now they can. They could do 2024, 2026, 2028, 2030, or they could do 2025, 2027, 2029. I don't think any of those deals are out there to trade that many multiple picks, but they still have flexibility. They have this blend of flexibility and aggression that bodes well for making any sort of trades. At this point, now it's about building up the player asset and their young prospects when it comes to a trade. And also, too, like you said, getting a guy like GG Jackson, I guess this really covers our GG Jackson part of it. Like, they got a guy in GG Jackson who he's the youngest guy in the draft. He was in talks of being like a top five pick in the 2024 draft. I think it's a perfect like pre-draft candidate. Like, you basically draft a guy based on how he is projected to be next year. But you just develop in the G League and just get get the bad habits out of them. Because, I mean, I'm not no college basketball expert, but, like, South Carolina ba- men's basketball was not this powerhouse Dude. program last year. Okay, you're an SEC guy. Yeah, they were SEC awful. Guy. They were bad. They were really bad. So, when they came to Knoxville, I did get to see that game. Gigi had an okay game. He didn't have a great game. I mean, he played – I don't remember exactly what the stat line was, but there is a couple plays where you see the potential. And I think that's the big thing with Gigi is you see the potential. He has the size. He has all the tools. And I really feel like if you get him with the right people, like the Grizzlies have the right people to, I think, get draft picks right. And you see even a guy like David Roddy last year, which no offense to him, if you look at just like ability to, you know, put the ball in the basket, Gigi Jackson is probably a little bit, you know, maybe not as polished, but like raw talent has as much raw talent as basically anybody uh, on the Grizzlies bench right now out of all the young guys. And I think that, you know, you polish that a little bit and you see how good David Roddy really looked near the end of the season, had a couple of those big games. Now I'm not to say that Gigi Jackson is going to do that this season, but this is a dude that was playing SEC basketball when he was 17. That's not easy because SEC basketball it's, it's not quite the powerhouse that football is or anything like that. But the one thing is every night you're going to have guys that are coming in there that are going to be trying to play defense. Like that's the big thing that I noticed is the, guy, the defenses that they're going in. And you look at a lot – he does have some downsides. You know, he didn't have great efficiency. You know, he was inefficient. Uh, part, part of that is just because South Carolina really didn't have anybody else. So a lot of times they were just like, you know, give the ball to Gigi Jackson and see what can happen. And a couple of times it worked out and he had great games. And even like, I think his last game of the season, they lost the game in the SEC tournament, but he had like 24 points and he was doing all kinds of stuff. He was dunking on the fast break. And I think throughout the year, you saw him develop a lot. And I think you take a dude who's 18 years old, right? He's, he's not, he's going to be 19 years old at the beginning of his second season. So, like, Mm -hmm. at the beginning of not this upcoming season, the season after this one, after we go through this whole season, he's going to be 19 going into that second year. So, this is a dude who, you know, let's say he plays with the hustle for a year. Just playing with hustle players versus the guys he was playing with at South Carolina, I think you're going to see his efficiency get a lot better just because he's going to be able to, you know, rely more on some of his teammates and then just getting him in the Grizzlies system, learning how the Grizzlies play and what he's going to be asked to do. Uh, but I'm always a big fan of taking people. If you were like a number one scorer in college and you were the guy, and now you're going to come to the NBA and you're going to be asked to be like the sixth guy maybe, 
like I I have a lot of I have a lot of confidence in people being able to do that whenever yeah. you know it's such a big role change. Yeah, my my thing is I look at Gigi Jackson like I do think we will end up getting the same thing as Junior Lofton where fans are like placing these really unrealistic high expectations and comparisons. And I think with Gigi it's because he just has everything you look into that star player with the shot creation, the size, the fact that he's, like you said, he's going to be 19 going into his second year, yet alone his first year. Like he's so young and there's so many, so much intrigue. And you had that pedigree where he's a former number one pick. He He's a hooper. Like he's a hooper. I look at him and I'm like, okay. And not to bring any sort of pain that Grizzlies fans have felt. I don't want to bring this back. But can he do what Rui Hachimura did in the playoffs? Is that what he could potentially do three or four years down the road? I could see it. I could see that for sure. Can he just be that guy that adds some variance off the bench when when you need it? And I, I think Gigi can do that. But also I can see it just not panning out. But I, I do think he's in the right system for it to pan out. And if you look at all the stuff on t- Twitter uh, with all his South Carolina interviews of like, how he handled his South Carolina season uh, when it comes to his coaching staff, his body language, stuff like that. He seems like he, he seems like he was humbled. He's like, all right, I got to go in and work hard. Like this is the hardest I got to work on basketball my entire life. So, and granted, you know, you got to see the action beyond, beyond the words, but I'm confident that GG Jackson can put it together and be something. Yeah, I am too. I will say on his side, I'm glad that he ended up with the Grizzlies, but whoever told him to reclassify, I think that probably wasn't the right decision for him necessarily. But if it ends up that he gets to play with the Grizzlies, it might turn out better for him mm-hmm. than if he had, you know, stayed. I think a lot of people were saying he could have gone to North Carolina. He could have stayed on North Carolina next year. Maybe he's a top pick and he goes to a bad situation. They put too much pressure on him, all of that. Because I think habits. so much in yeah. the yeah, so much in the NBA is about situations more than just straight up talent. Because there's a lot of really talented dudes that you know just don't make it, and it's not because yeah. they can't shoot or because they can't dribble. It's just the wrong situation. And I think this is a situation where he can come in and not have those lofty expectations, but he still has the talent of a lot of these people that will have these lofty ex- expectations, right. uh, and. I think just having a year in the G League, like you saw how much better Santi Aldama was coming back after playing a year in the with the with the uh the hustle. I mean, you look at his rookie year when he got in, he didn't even look like he was gonna be playable a lot of the time, right? There are some that he didn't even look playable. Now he had flashes and everything like that, but he goes to the G League, stays there, comes out next year, you know, he's starting he's starting part of the season. Now, not to say Gigi is going to be starting like next season, but he's the type of guy where if you put him in the system, uh, you're going to see a lot of him in summer league. I think that's going to be the first kind of glimpse of what he's going to look like is going to be in summer league. And also, I think there's because of the way he plays, I think he's going to be better for the NBA game or the NBA style than he was for college, especially when you look at, you know, the SEC kind of style of basketball, because I feel like he's more of like a fluid offensive guy. And that's really what Taylor Jenkins likes, you know, guys that can do a lot of stuff. 
So I think that whenever he is ready and he is polished, I think he's going to be really good, even if he's just like the sixth man coming off the bench and just pure score type role. I think he could do it just down the line. Now, it's going to be interesting to see how he gets there, and I'm going to be really excited to see him in the summer league, and the hustle games are going to be really exciting with him this year too because I'm assuming he's going to play mostly there, but we'll see what happens. If he has a really good summer league and training camp, they might decide to, you know, put him on the active roster to start it. You never know. Yeah, I mean, you never know. You never know. He definitely has the talent. Uh, and just before we're, we're about running short on time here, just, you know, they have one roster spot open to go in, going into free agency. Is there anything that you're looking to see them do? Anything? I don't think they're going to do anything splashy. But is there anything that you think that they might do with that last roster fight, any sort of player archetype or player types or even players that they should be targeting with that final spot. I would look at, I would look at Bruce Brown. I think that's somebody I would look at as a possibility to bring in, see if he'll take the MLE. Uh, but really just, I still think they need another wing uh, and a wing that can shoot. Like that would be the number one thing. Like I saw earlier today, the Clippers are looking to trade Norman Powell. I don't know exactly how that could work out, but if that's an opportunity based on what they would want, I wouldn't be mad if they looked at a guy like that. Uh, but yeah, I think it's really just, they just need wings. Like that's really the biggest, the biggest thing that they need. It's just a wing that can, that can shoot. And that'll just make the lineup variations even easier to uh, kind of work in Marcus Smart, uh, whether he's going to start the game, whether you're going to bring in uh, this guy you pick up is probably not going to start and probably going to come off the bench. but. Either way, I still think they just need somebody for those like Kevin Durant's of the world that can guard somebody like that because you're not necessarily going to put, even though Jaron probably size-wise matches up with him, you want him to be able to, you know, do all the stuff he does, Roman playing uh, rim protector and stuff like that. So you're not going to put him on a guy like that. So that's really what they need is somebody who can guard those bigger wings. But I think that I don't think they're going to do anything too crazy. Yeah, I don't see anything too crazy. You know, a name, you know, from looking at free agent uh, possibilities, a name that's intriguing because, you know, he's a vet. He has a track record of being able to shoot. And I think you can kind of just put the ball in his hands in spurts, not full on, but I think he could support Smart, Bain, Kennard, whoever you put on the ball. You might like this. I think you might like this, but Josh Richardson. I think they okay. should go after a guy like Josh Richardson. He's a vet. He can shoot. He has he's six five with a six ten wingspan, so he's not actually a super tall, but he's wing size with his wingspan. And you know, I think he's a guy that you know you can sign for a good deal, and then uh, if it's not painting out, or you're like, oh, we need to free up time for David Roddy or Jay Claravia or or Zaire Williams, you can move him. You can attach them to some second round picks at the deadline and move them or something, but that's where I I kind of look to. It's like maybe Josh Richardson would be a good a good free agency pickup, but I don't expect anything too crazy. Just just go get a, either a veteran wing or a veteran combo guard, and I'll sleep well. Definitely no, and I I would like Josh Richardson too. I think that he he does a lot of things, and I think he kind of reminds me of he's a guy that might just come in in one of those playoff games if. If, if he's still on the roster by then and just have like one of those, you know, random games where he plays really well. 
Like he strikes me as one of those kind of guys where he's not going to do it every night, but he's going to have one or two games on a run where he might save you. So I'd, I'd like, I'd like, I'd like a pickup like that for sure. Absolutely. So Bryce, that's about all the time we have. We have just like two minutes left. Anything you want to add in before we close the show? Uh, yeah, no, I was just going to say you can follow me on Twitter, Bryson Right 3 uh, and make sure to listen to the Next Gen Podcast on Bluff City Media with me and Alex Winton. Uh, going to be dropping every Wednesday. Yes, sir. Yeah, make sure y'all check out everything Bryson does at Bryson Right 3 on Twitter. He really knows how to speak for the people on Grizzlies Twitter and also him and Alex's podcast. Super great stuff. Just two dudes talking ball. No, no agenda. Uh, some agenda pushing, but no, only a little bit. Only, on, only good. It, it's a uh, good no stuff. Negative agenda. I'm know? big fan. Um, but yeah, you can follow. You can follow me on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Pac underscore Flocka. Make sure you check out all my written content over at Subsacalitas.substack.com. I know that's a lot. Just go to my Twitter, find it. That's where I put all my written stuff. And make sure you are liking, subscribing, and downloading the Taking Care of Grizzness podcast at memphis grizzlies podcast for taking or for the fans first sports network wherever you get your podcast spotify apple podcast google podcast amazon music wherever and with that that's it